You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. New York, the glitz, the glamour, the exciting Muttropolis, the sparkling kitty city that never sleeps. Step onto the sexy streets of animal attraction that is New York City. Welcome to Pets in the City, Life in the Urban Jungle. Join host Diane West as she explores the exciting lives, loves, and laments of the people and pets in the world's greatest city. Pets in the City, like the city itself, has something for everyone. Celebrity pet sightings, hot events, and news and reviews with the hottest movers, shakers, and tail waggers in New York. So get ready to get dressed to the canines and take a bite out of the Big Apple with your Pets in the City host, Diane West. Hello, all you cyber cats, canines, critters, and creatures under all creation. This is Diane West coming at you once again from the greatest city in the world, New York City, with another episode of Pets in the City on Pet Life Radio. Now, I'm sure you know all by now that this is even the toughest New Yorkers have a soft spot for animals. But did you know that that kindness can even reach through the thick walls of some of the area's correctional facilities and change lives both inside and outside of jail cells? We'll be right back to tell you about some very special people who make this happen. All right, this is my stop, Commercial Boulevard. Yeah, that's funny. Pets in the City will be back in a New York minute. Don't go anywhere. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Give your dog some thought. With Dog Thoughts, it's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about. Hey, what do you think of this? A man in Davis, California says he's invented an application for the iPhone that claims it can read your dog's mind. Huh? No, it's true. I read about it on my cat's Twitter page. That's why. Jay Leno talked about it, CBS reported on it, and now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. On your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today. Just 99 cents. Go to PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. That's PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. When you're looking to add a pet into your life, consider adopting a homeless animal from your local shelter or rescue group. Whether you want a kitten, puppy, or a more mature pet, a purebred or a -a one-of-a-kind mixed breed, even a rabbit or hamster, your shelter has the best selection of animals anywhere, all screened for good health and behavior. PetLifeRadio.com presents Take Me Home with your host, Susan Daffron. Join us each week as we showcase wonderful pets, tell stories, and even throw some pet education into the mix. So get ready to find out why the pet adoption option can be a great way to add a furry companion into your life. Take me home every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. 
Okay, all you yuppie puppies and city kitties, Pets in the City is back with more urban animals and cool cosmopolitan critters. Try saying that three times fast, right, Diane? Now, we all hear sound bites every day about the ongoing war in Iraq and Afghanistan, but it often doesn't really sink in as to what U.S. soldiers go through on a daily basis as they navigate perhaps one of the most politically and culturally complex wars of our time. Today, we have the honor on Pets in the City of speaking with Sergeant Alan Hill, who served in Iraq and Afghanistan and now has a dog named Frankie, who is trained at the Fishkill Correctional Facility right here in Beacon, New York, just a hop, skip, and a jump from New York City. We're also joined by Gloria Gilbert Stoga, who's founder of the Unique Puppies Behind Bars program about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, which now has a new branch called Dog Tags Service dogs for those who've served us. Welcome, Gloria and Sergeant Hill. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, now Gloria, to you first. Um, can you explain to us briefly how Puppies Behind Bars, for our listeners who, who might not know, Puppies Behind Bars started in, you said, 1997, Gloria? Yes. And is trains, it matches uh, people that are serving time in select correctional facilities with puppies, generally Labradors, correct? Yeah. To yep. train usually people that have physical disabilities. Well, we train two kinds of dogs in six prisons in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, the New York metro area. We train psychiatric service dogs for wounded um, veterans coming home from Iraq and Afghanistan with post-traumatic stress disorder and or traumatic brain injury. And we also train explosive detection canines um, who go on to law enforcement agencies and are trained to find explosives before the explosives detonate. So you originally started with the, really what what a lot of people would say are guide dogs. And now um, within, you said in 2006 is when the dog tags initiative started for our veterans coming home. Yes, yes. We started out in 1997 raising guide dogs, as you said. After September 11th, we added explosive detection canines for obvious reasons. The needs for those kinds of dogs skyrocketed. And then in 2006, in response to the huge number of troops coming home with physical and or um, emotional wounds, Puppies and Bars decided that we wanted to raise service dogs and donate them fully free of charge to wounded troops as a way of saying thank you for serving our country. Now, why do inmates train the dogs? Do you ever get any negative feedback, Gloria, like, oh, gee, that's nice, on top of three hots and a cot, you know, we got inmates that get to have fun with dogs all day? I got that a lot more when I started 12 years ago than I do now, though I still get it occasionally. Um, This is not fun, per se. Um, They're not pets. It's a huge amount of work. Frankie, who is Sergeant Hill's dog, was taught 85 different commands. Um, You don't get a dog able to perform 85 different tasks just by sitting around and petting it all day. It's a huge amount of work. The puppies arrive in prison when they are eight weeks old, and And in the case of service dogs, they stay with us until they're 20, 22 months old, 24 months old in some cases, and then they leave. So the inmates who have worked really hard over that long period of time, loving the dogs, bonding with the dogs, taking care of the dogs, and training the dogs, 
know that the day is coming that they're going to have to say goodbye to their dog. So it's not a fun program. It's a program whereby inmates can give back to society. How do you pick the inmates? I mean, as you're saying, this sounds like it really could be obviously a very large commitment, a two-year commitment as well. Are there specific personality traits you look for in the inmates? Yeah, there are certain crimes that inmates cannot have committed um, to be considered for the program. We look for mental health levels. We look for uh, inmates who've been in the system for a while because we want to know what they're like as people. We don't want inmates who have just been arrested and are maybe still really angry and haven't yet adjusted. And we have a rule where an, an inmate has to not have had any disciplinary action for a year prior to joining Puppy Fan Bars. And that sounds easy, but sometimes it's hard. So if they if they have any kind of disciplinary action within 12 months, they can't even apply for our program. They have to wait until they are ticket-free is what it's called for 12 months. This is really a privilege they have to earn. It is a privilege they have to earn. It is um, a difficult program to get into, and it's even a more difficult program to stay in. Inmates may leave at any time. This is totally voluntary. They don't get paid for it. And they can also get kicked out. Um, For some inmates, it's much more work than they anticipated. It's a huge amount of responsibility. They have mandatory jobs in prison, and on top of this, they're volunteering to take care of and train and nurture a dog 24-7. And for some, it's just too much work. What's your retention rate in light of all that? Oh, shoot. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what the retention rate is. Um, We hope that in the private interview process we conduct with each of the inmates that we're going to weed out people who we think don't um, have the level of responsibility, don't understand what it is that they're doing. Most of the inmates make it through the process, but I can't really give you a retention rate per se. Um, It varies. I I just kicked an inmate out of um, one of our programs two weeks ago. Um, Prior to that, I hadn't kicked an inmate out probably for eight months, Um, but the guys in the program, some of them have been in it for six years, so it varies. Wow. So what was Frankie, Sergeant Hill's dog, what was that inmate story, just briefly? He was sentenced to prison at, I believe, age 16, and he's now 36. He was either 17 or 16. He's 36. He's been in for 20 years. He was sentenced to prison for manslaughter. He raised Frankie. He gave Frankie up. He never thought that he would have the privilege and honor of meeting the soldier to whom Frankie went. Um, He did, and and that's how um, the genesis of this conversation. But, you know, he poured his heart and soul into that dog, and he wanted the dog to be the best she could be for a soldier who has served our country. And, And the inmates who are raising service dogs or the inmates who are raising the explosive detection canines will tell you um, a lot of them were in prison on September 11th, and a lot of them say, I couldn't do anything. Um, I I might be in prison, but I'm still an American, and I felt that I couldn't do anything to help my country. And now, as a result of training these dogs, I can do something to help. Now, Sergeant Hill, when you first got involved with the program and you heard that someone who's in jail for manslaughter for a very long time was going to train your dog, let's be honest, what was your first reaction? Firstly, I didn't know what he was in jail for. I felt like that was none of my business. If he wanted to offer that information to me, that was fine. I was open to it. 
but I didn't know what he was in jail for. But, I mean, just the fact that he was an inmate, did that kind of surprise you, that that's where your service dog was coming from? Yes, it was a surprise, because usually you hear about dogs of this nature coming from some sort of a canine school or the military or something like that. So that kind of was, for you especially as a soldier who's part of your many duties is to enforce the law, you're suddenly, in a way, working with someone who has broken the law and who's giving you a very big gift. (laughs) Yeah. Now, um, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Sergeant Hill, is we, you know, really here in the States, we just kind of have quite honestly, an abstract idea of what's going on in Iraq and Afghanistan right now. You know, we hear about a car bomb, we hear about something blowing up, but it seems so abstract. Can you give us, you know, a better idea of what a typical day is like for a serviceman like yourself? A typical day, wow. It's so minute by minute, it's really hard to nail down just a a normal routine because from minute to minute, your day can be... 180 degrees from where it started. For an instance, I left, I got up in the morning about 5.30, did PT, then I went over to the motor pool, got my truck, prepped it for a patrol, and next thing you know, there was an IED jet at the gate to my base. And so that changed everything I had to do for the whole entire day. So then we had to go on perimeter security and guard our base from whoever it was trying to launch rockets into it. And fortunately, we had the same guys outside the wire to find out where all this stuff was coming from. So typically, when uh, a soldier hears an explosion and he's inside the wire, you know, he instantly a prayer goes out for whoever set it off. That's probably part of the stress, just knowing, not knowing really from day to day, quite honestly, who might try to hurt you. Yeah, you, from day to day, you don't know, I mean, who's trying to kill you. You don't know. I mean, a little kid, a parked car, some trash, pile of rubble, just anything conceivable can be used against you. I could imagine just that stress of every day not knowing what's going to happen, you know, showing kindness to a child or or seeing a trash can that you hadn't seen before is so stressful. And I guess we're now hearing more about troops having depression and post-traumatic stress disorder. Has the military culture changed in acknowledging that troops do suffer from depression and stress disorders? I feel like the military has has changed to look more closely at soldiers who are returning from from either of the two battle zones. You know, I can't speak very much on how the military is addressing it because I don't know. But just from what I've heard in the general media and newspapers, I've seen various articles about the military paying more attention to troops coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan with PTS. Yeah, and even in there, I mean, unfortunately, there was that terrible incident the other day. I heard just even still in country, you had um, someone who was obviously very troubled coming in and shooting at his uh, fellow group therapy people. So I can imagine the stress there is excruciating. But then you met Frankie. Yes, I met Frankie. And from the moment I saw her in the airport, I knew she was going to be my dog. (laughs) So she met you at the airport. Yes, Frankie was one of two dogs, and me and the other gentleman that went through the training were supposed to arrive the same day, Mm -hmm. and my plane happened to get there first, 
And so we met up with the two trainers at the airport, and they told us on a prior phone conversation that they would be the only people in there with a dog. So I was looking for dogs. <laughs> and Frankie's a, a yellow lab, and Samba was a black lab. And so we got our bags out of the carousel, went up the stairs to the water fountain there in Denver Airport, and seen the two dogs standing there. And instantly, I knew Frankie was mine. Really? She just popped up. Love at first sight, huh? Yeah, it was love at first sight. I mean, her attitude, her perkiness, all that, it's, you know, it just stuck out like a sore thumb to me. And she and I hit it off instantly. <laughs> now, what is Frankie, as much as you'd like to reveal, Sergeant, and I do appreciate you talking with us today, with your particular coping with your post-traumatic stress, how does Frankie help you with that every day? Give me a typical situation, like, you know, where she might have helped you feel better or, or done something for you. Typically, what I get are crowds of people, and they're curious about the dog, and what Frankie does for me is she gives me a sense of confidence, and she helps me through crowded places because of her presence. And she gives me something to hold on to when I'm having an anxiety, you know, issue. I can hold on to her, and she can, she'll pull me through it. She, she pulls me through it every time. And she does what she has to do to bring me back to the present. She does her job very well. And how was it for you when you met the person who helped raise Frankie for you? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I couldn't thank him enough. And the whole day that we were together... We were both just telling each other, thank you, thank you, thank you. And we exchanged tears. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was just it was just a moving experience. Mm -hmm. And I'm still thankful to him for putting out such a quality animal. And that's what PBB stands behind. You know, it's quality over quantity. And rather than put out 20 or 30 dogs a year that don't do a whole lot, they put out, well, this time 11 dogs, and they're great dogs. The guys really take time and make sure that the dogs know what they have to do. And we'll be right back with this truly unique American story after these messages. This is a Palm Bay parkbound, six local trains. All right, this is my stop, Commercial Boulevard. Yeah, that's funny. Pets in the city will be back in a New York minute. Don't go anywhere. Stand clear of the closing door. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Hi, this is Marcy Davis and my service dog, Whistle. 
and we're your hosts of Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Working Like Dogs is the show where you can learn everything you've ever wanted to know about working animals or working dogs. Whether you're a member of a working dog team or you've just seen a working dog or animal out at the mall or the grocery store and you're curious about how these amazing animals work with their human partners, then Working Like Dogs is the show for you. Join us for the inside scoop at Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Okay, all you yuppie puppies and city kitties, Pets in the City is back with more urban animals and cool cosmopolitan critters. Try saying that three times fast, right, Diane? And we're back to learn some more from Sergeant Hill and Gloria of Puppies Behind Bars and now Dog Tags about this wonderful program. Gloria, these are probably typical stories that you, or actually, is it common that the recipient of the dog would actually meet the person who raised his or her dog? It's not common. In 12 years, we've had guide dog users come in with our guide dogs, their guide dogs. We've had law enforcement agents come in with their dogs. Alan is the second Iraq War um, veteran who's come into prison to meet the raisers of their dogs. But I'm just sitting here with a smile ear to ear because um, what Alan is saying and and the bond between he and, and Frankie is just extraordinary. And, you know, Alan, for our part, you know, everybody did keep, you and, and Roberto did keep saying thank you, thank you all day when you came in. But I have to tell you that for puppies behind bars to see a soldier, Sergeant Hill, who takes such great care of the dog, who appreciates the dog, who continues the making sure she knows her commands and her tasks, and the dog looks so great. For us, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, she went to the right person. She went to somebody who's really, who really loves her and appreciates her. And, and so for us, our, our thank you to Sergeant Hill was thank you for serving your country, first and foremost, and then also thank you for just loving the dog as much as we love the dog. I mean, it sounds like it was an electrifyingly emotional experience for everybody that was there. It was, and I think for the inmates, you know, as I say, I mean, obviously they were aware of the terrorist attacks of September 11th, they read newspapers, they look at television, so abstractly they knew. We teach our dogs 85 different commands, three of which are specifically for soldiers, Marines, airmen with PTSD, traumatic brain injury. So abstractly, all of our puppy raisers, as we call the inmates, understand why we're teaching those commands and why we're teaching those tasks. What are those three, by the way? The three special ones, one is called Got My Back, and that is that the dog will sit on either side of the soldier and literally face the opposite direction so that the soldier, and this is particularly standing in line like at a supermarket or a cinema, they may get scared of somebody coming up behind them. So all they have to do is say, Got My Back, and the dog literally is looking behind them, and they know that the dog's watching out for them. Um, The other one is a command called Block, which is conversely if somebody's approaching the soldier and the soldier starts getting nervous because they don't you know they just they start thinking okay what's this person doing he's coming closer coming closer they can tell the dog block and the dog will move out 12 to 24 inches in front of the soldier and literally create a barricade so whomever is approaching says hey you know something's going on here this isn't your typical guy with the dog and then the third we actually learned 
from the um, Marine who trained with Sergeant Hill and Frankie. We, it's called Papa Corner. Um, Alan, I don't know if you know that we're now teaching all of our dogs this as a result, and that is one of the hallmarks of the war and uh, of the Iraq War, and Alan can speak to this better than I, is that our troops had to break down the doors of so many houses or buildings and go into them and not know what was lying in wait. Papa Corner is the dog will stick its head through a door first and look to the right and look to the left. So the soldier, the Marine, the airman knows, hey, it's okay because my dog just checked the room out for me. So those are three specific commands. And it's funny, um, we teach our dogs 911 and something uh, uh, that Sergeant Hill's wife told us, she wants us, and we've just started doing this, we teach the dog to dial 911 on command, but, but she and Sergeant Hill asked if we could just teach the dog to do it if the soldier goes into a flashback and can't visually, it can't orally give the command, we call it help. So we've just started teaching our dogs that if the soldier, the Marine, the airman goes into a flashback, maybe falls down on the floor, thinks they're back in the war zone, that automatically the dog on its own will go and hit the special phone, which is pre-programmed for 911. So Puppies is learning from the recipients of our dogs, what do we need to do to get the dog better ready to serve you. I mean, that's part of what Alan was saying. We can do that because the number of dogs we produce each year is small, and we've known all of them since they're eight weeks of age, so we know our dogs very, very well, and and as we get feedback from our soldiers, we can say, okay, let's tweak the training, let's add the training, this to the training, let's do this or that. So it really is, I mean, it's really a group effort. Everything from the inmates who raise the dogs, the soldiers who get the dogs, and then the soldiers give us feedback. You know, I wish my dog did this, or my dog isn't doing well on that. Can you help me? So it's, it's really, it's a collaborative effort. Wow. So Sergeant Hill, just listening to Gloria here talking about how she and the group are learning from you and your comrades, I can now visualize how Frankie really does calm you down in an anxiety situation like you were saying with a crowd she probably makes you feel like she has your back exactly okay i got you well that's really fascinating now i do have to ask this i mean this is such a great program and i'm so glad to hear about this as i'm sure our listeners will one thing i do want to ask is about the dogs that are trained specifically for military operations you know specifically in iraq in terms of finding um, incendiary devices and other potential areas of harm what is going to happen to those dogs after the war? And the reason why I ask this is I once saw a documentary, sadly, that those dogs were kind of considered, shall we say, military surplus and destroyed after previous wars. I hope that's not the case anymore. None of puppies behind bars dogs are in that position. I think, and, and Alan, you can correct me, but I think that those are the military dogs um, the military police dogs. So I can't speak to that because puppies behind bars dogs, they don't serve in that capacity. Um, Alan, I don't know if you know the answer to, to that or not. I'm in the same boat. I mean, the military police dogs, I really can't, and you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm totally at a loss because I don't want to go out and put out some information that's not true. So with that, I'll just say I really don't know what the the military police dogs go through after their time in service. I would hope that they would, after their retirement, become the pet 
of the dog handler, but I don't know if they're euthanized or not. Well, I mean, I'm sure everyone agrees that if they can be brought home, I would imagine you've met dogs there that the soldiers whom they've served with are saying, oh, no, this dog's coming home with me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great, great. So listen, um, just I wanted to recap for our listeners. This is Puppies Behind Bars, but it is a new, since 2006, dog tags group for our troops. And um, it is led by the indomitable Gloria Gilbert Stoga, and who started this innovative program in 1997. And Gloria, you told me that your whole Open to have 10 more dogs in 2009? Yeah, um, by the end of this year, we will have trained certainly 14 or paired 14 more dogs and hopefully 15, and our goal for 2010 is 20. You know, we're, we're going to stay small just because, as Alan said, quality is much, much, much more important to us than quantity. So our goal is 20 dogs for next year. If we do 15 or 17, that's fine. What what matters most to us is that the dogs really, really serve and become family members of whomever they go to and, and are the best service dogs possible. And you'll still be using New York area correctional facilities such yeah. as Fishkill, and I think there was a few others, Bedford, and there's right, two others. Yeah. Yes, we're um, in New York. It's in addition to the two you mentioned, uh, the Mid Orange and Otisville Correctional Facilities, and in New Jersey, it's um, the Edna Mann Correctional Facility, and in Connecticut, it's the Danbury Federal Correctional Facility. So we're at six area prisons, and yes, that's that's where we will stay training these dogs. Now, I'm sure many of our listeners are going to ask how they can help. I know, for example, you have the new uh, Chewy Shoe. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how that helps the effort? Yeah, that would be great. Chewy Shoes are available either through the website FetchDog.com or through the Puppies Behind Bars website, which is puppiesbehindbars.com, and then we have a link to Fetch Dog. It is a sh- it's a dog toy made specifically for um, Fetch Dog and Puppies Behind Bars. It's a red, white, and blue Vibram sole, and Vibram is the manufacturer of the military boots in this country and Canada, so it's really kind of amazing and full circle that a dog toy is made out of the sole of boots that our men and women wear in combat, um, it sells for $16, and $2 of that sale price is donated, a dollar by Fetch Dog and a dollar by Vibram, um, to Puppies Behind Bars specifically for the Dog Tags program. Mm-hmm. You can only get it through FetchDog.com, or will they be in the stores at some point? That's a good question. They will be in stores. We're, we're trying to get them on military bases um, and in what stores, I'm really not sure. Um, right now, they are available through FetchDog.com um, or PuppyJamBars.com, and I'm not sure exactly which stores, hopefully in the near future, may carry them as well. Sergeant Hill, does Frankie have her own uh, Chewy Shoe, or does she just go straight for your boots? <laughs> no, Frankie, she owns two of them, actually. We've got one that stays home, and we have one that we travel with. <laughs> the dogs love them. The dogs absolutely love them, don't they? Don't they, Alan? She goes nuts over it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah especially if she likes the tug. Yeah, exactly. Now, do they actually make them out of the soles of boots? Yeah, and Alan, do you want to describe the colors? Because that's what's so cool, how they made the special it's colors a- for puppies. 
It's a red, white, and blue sole right off the bottom of my boot. I mean, a perfect match. Size 10 and a half. <laughs> so, you know, when Frankie gets tired of it, I guess you could put some string on it and make it into flip-flops for you in the summer. There you go. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. I guess, Sergeant Hillary, I really, one of the things I wanted to ask you is seriously, when our servicemen and women like yourself come home, what can we as your neighbors do for you? What's the best thing we can do? Just offer thanks and prayers. Okay. And, you know, be careful about how you approach them. I mean, surely not everyone's going to come back with, with PTS or TBI or anything like that. But just the stress of the whole situation is still something that they have to get over. And it's like learning how to be an American again. You know, a lot of things have changed since they've been gone. And, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. The best you can do is try and educate them. And the best that we're going to do is try to educate you on what we can do to help make things better between the both of us. Well, that uh, is something that I'm sure all of us listening will keep in mind. And we think uh, I understand you have a fantastic wife, Gina, at home, in addition to Frankie. So sounds like you got a good troop of your own there in Kansas. My wife is awesome. I wouldn't trade her for nothing in the world. And not even Frankie? Put, not even Frankie. Frankie's my girl. Frankie's my girl. And we also have a beagle, and her name is Libby. And Libby's four years old, so she's an old grandma. And Frankie tries to play with her and get her going. And Libby would just bark at her one good time and go to her corner and go to bed. <laughs> so we know who's in charge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much to both Sergeant Hill and to Gloria for being so generous with their time. And remember, um, if you do want to help out uh, financially the cause of puppies behind bars and dog tags, you could buy the Chewy Shoe at FetchDog.com or just log on to PuppiesBehindBars.org, Gloria. Yeah, or .com. And, you know, check them out. And, again, thanks so much to both of you, and hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thanks, Sergeant. And that'll do it for this episode of Pets in the City on Pet Life Radio. Once again, I wanted to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in. I was really moved by this show in particular. And please log on to Puppies Behind Bars and consider supporting our troops in whichever way you can. I really think Sergeant Hill spoke from the heart on how we can help them when they come back and when they're there. Let's see, as far as what's going on in New York, oh my goodness. Well, you guys know that there's never a dull moment here. There have been protests against the animal care and control of New York City for some of what people call their shortcomings. There was a dog mistakenly put to death that belonged to a 90-something-year-old woman that caused a big protest at City Hall. However, as always, there's two sides to the story, and we hope to visit that in the near future. And we will be doing a lot this weekend. This is the 10th anniversary of Central Park Paws, uh, one of the bigger groups in New York City of dog owners in the city who this group particularly enjoys Central Park, so I'm looking forward to seeing them. And it is going to be gorgeous out, which means that there's going to be fairs and festivals and a lot of doggy things to do. So please sign on to my website, New York Tales Magazine, newyorktales.com, 
and click on calendar and you will find something to do. I promise you. So once again, thank you for listening to Pets in the City on Pet Life Radio. Thanks to our sponsors. Thanks to my producer, Mark Winter, who once again puts up with all my antics and helps me sound good. And we will talk to you next time. New York, the glitz, the glamour, the exciting Muttropolis, the sparkling kitty city that never sleeps. Join us each week for Pets in the City with your host, Diane West. Celebrity pet sightings, hot events, and news and reviews with the hottest movers, shakers, and tail waggers in New York. So take a bite out of the Big Apple with Pets in the City every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>